Our scripture passage that was read earlier today was from 2 Kings chapter 2. I'd invite you to turn there. As we talk about this Old Testament story that is still incredibly valuable for us today, I thought it was valuable for us to turn to something that's maybe not quite as old, but it's still valuable in some way, shape, or form. Here you go. I have climbed highest mountains. I have run through fields only to be with you. Only to be with you. I have run. I have crawled. I have sailed these city walls. Said it was only need to be with you, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Sounds like we have some uh, people who have heard that song before once or twice. In 1987, the band U2 released this song. It's aptly titled, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. It's on what, it, what I think is the best of their albums, Joshua Tree. And in it, Bono, the lead singer, he acknowledges something resembling faith in God. He's at least on the journey towards that. But then he seems to struggle through a time of feeling unfulfilled. This is a common theme in music because it's a common theme in life, isn't it? In uh, 2012, there's a band called Fun, and they released a song. It's uh, fun with a period at the end of it, all right? It is fun, all right? Um, but they released a song called Some Nights. It's a song that was the song of the summer. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing this song. It, it, it got annoying. I'm kind of looking forward to figuring out which song it is that I'm going to hate most this summer. <laughs> But it's only important for our purposes today because of the question that gets posed in the chorus. What do I stand for? What do I stand for? Some nights I don't know. This is a song that while it may not advocate the kind of living that I hope for you as you move on, it's, it's something that will, you will have to work through as you take the next step as you seek the next stage in your life, whatever that is. Unfortunately, some of you, maybe you heard that last statement as only being valuable to the graduates. And for that segment of our congregation, I would remind you that the high school chapter of your story, it's, it's finished being written. Your paths will be as diverse as each of your individual personalities. Looking at the eight of you, I, I, I kind of think that how different each one of you are and yet how incredible For those of you not in that just graduated segment of our congregation, I want to ask the question of what is your next step with God? But first, is it okay if we pray? God, we ask that you would speak to us, to, to all of us. Don't let us leave here without hearing a word from you. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, 
As we consider the ways that we might take the next steps of life, I wonder if we can refer back to the story that Lori and Kelsey Couch read just a second ago. I'd like to spend some time with two of my favorite Old Testament prophets, Elijah and Elisha. If you are one of those people who needs help remembering which one's which, if you think about it alphabetically, Elijah, the J, comes before the Sha, the S, okay? So, you know, J comes before S, it, it works alphabetically, it also happens to work out here. And as we enter the story in verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha, they're already on the way. That We catch them mid-action. And we also find out that Elijah's being taken up into heaven by a whirlwind is an open secret. We have it repeated two different times there in verse 3 and then again in verse 5. As such, we have two individuals in a very new kind of situation. I don't think I've ever been in this situation. Have you ever known the day of your death? No, right? Well, I must have... Never mind. All right. Elijah and Elisha, they're embarking on a new stretch, aren't they? They're going down a different path. Not knowing what else to do, though, they just continue to faithfully walk the path that they have been called to. They continue to be faithful to the end. But not with some kind of checking in first. If we see them on their journey... They go from here to there to there and eventually land somewhere. Elisha, he's told to stay. Now, if I told my dog to stay and he didn't stay, you know, he and I would have some words here. You know what I mean? Stay to me means stop. But here in the Old Testament, we we have uh, some, some words here where in the Hebrew it's permissive. It's if you'd like to stay. That's kind of the sense of these words. And Elisha... He didn't feel compelled to stay. He says, if I have a choice in the matter, I'm going to continue to be faithful to the, to the uh, direction that I've been called to. Have you ever felt compelled to do something? I know there are students who have just graduated feel compelled to some kind of next step. We just celebrated with them eight different next steps. And in reality, we probably won't, uh, all of them probably won't finish that step exactly as they planned. But most of them will take the next step. But for now, they remain faithful to what God has called them to do. Graduates, yeah, stay faithful to what God has called you individually to. So Elisha, he has a choice here. And in spite of the wishes of Elijah, he, he's not to be dissuaded. As much as Elijah r- loves and runs after God wholeheartedly, he can only be faithful to that which God has revealed to him. So he's faithful. He runs from station to station. If you look at the map that's uh, posted up here, we have Gilgal right here next to the Jordan River. That's uh, that river that's coming down. And then they run inland to to Bethel and then come back to Jericho. It's kind of a long way around just to get to, to Jericho. But I think the point of what we see here is that Elijah continues to be faithful Until the very end. Has Elijah breathed his last? Has Elijah taken his last breath? No, that he's going to be faithful to what God has called him to all the way to the end. 
He's not going to stop just because he says, you know what? I'm going to throw a pity party today. It's my last day. I'm going to go start checking stuff off my bucket list. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being told it's your last day? I'd want to stop. I'd want to hang out trying to walk from Gilgal to, to, to Bethel to Jericho. You know what? That's a trip I don't necessarily want to take. You know what I want to go to do? I want to go eat some hideaway pizza, all right, and eat another snow cone. It's not, it's not difficult for me, but Elijah, he, he's other focused. What would you do? What would you do? Would you do things that, that made you happy? Would you do the things that you'd always wanted to do? Or would you kind of have your last day be focused on continuing to serve those that God called you to serve? What would the world look like if all of us Every single person in this sanctuary, I and mean, if you look around, there's, there's a few here. What would the world look like if all of us lived other-focused lives of service, even if we knew a day would be our last? What would that look like? So we follow Elijah from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho, and each place Elijah gives him the opportunity to, to opt out. Much like the flooding yesterday and the last week, we've had an opportunity. We see a, an insurmountable obstacle. We see some people who go for it, who say, you know what? I can take that. I felt bad. I was watching Channel 9 News last night, and they had this guy named Joshua that they were just talking about. Anybody else watching? Yeah, he had just driven down Lindsay Street, and he, he just got stuck. And they just kept saying, this Joshua guy, Joshua, Joshua. I felt bad for Joshua. If you know Joshua, you know, give him a pat on the back or a hug or, you know, some kind of condolences, because they were making fun of him. He drove right into standing water. Sometimes it's easy to try to say, you know what, I can take that. And then we get stuck. We get stuck in the mud. We get stuck in our, in our ruts. We learn to just stay here. Don't get caught anywhere. Don't worry about it. You know what, you're off the hook. Wouldn't it be easy if we were off the hook? Graduates, would it, wouldn't it be easy if you were off the hook? What if you could just go home today, all right, and put your feet up on your couch, you ready, and eat some Cheetos? You know what I mean? Turn on the TV and just, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Do that for the next 365 days or, you know, and then, you know, multiply that times the next 50 years. Wouldn't that be great? Parents are saying, no, 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 Shannon, I see you. Yeah. No, because our lives aren't, aren't meant to be lived standing still. They're not meant to be lived stuck. At Bethel, at Jericho, Elisha is pulled aside and he's asked if he knows that today is Elijah's last. It's an open secret, remember? I've always wondered how everybody in this passage just seems to know. I've always thought that, you know, if somebody knew that it was going to be my last day, it was probably because of nefarious purposes. But how everyone knows this, we never find out, nor does it really matter. What he's encouraged to do, what Elisha is encouraged to do, is to stop the journey. Stand over here. Wait for life to happen to you. Uh, stop running around. You've, you've gone in a circle just about. Why not just hang out here and help us figure out life? And each place, Elisha is concerned for Elijah's dignity and ability to continue being faithful to God. Why? I think it's because he knows that Elijah has seen the hidden powers in him. 
He's seen Elijah invest in him and, and remind him that he is called to something great, something that we're all called to. And as such, he remembers to be faithful to God. Students, parents, everyone else in the congregation today, as we love people, as we teach the word, as we live the journey, we're going to have people with the very best of intentions who try to encourage us to stop. Stand still, rather than finish the race marked out for us. And when we give in to this urge, we give in to our basest instincts. But when we go against them, we remember that life goes on after us, just as it went on before us. We get to play our part. The big question is whether we play our part in God's eternal present. And so Elijah continues on rolling up his mantle that he had previously uh, had thrown on him. Elisha, he, he, he hits the sea. We hear an echo of the, when Moses parts the Reed Sea, there we go, or when Joshua crosses the Jericho. If you remember the map that was just on there, it showed them leaving the promised land, and Joshua had just come into the promised land the same way. And they go to a nondescript place. It's amazing how God sometimes works in nondescript places. Students, sometime you'll find yourself stuck in a nondescript place and you'll say, how did I get here? And even then you'll have the opportunity to choose to be faithful. Elijah, ever faithful to God's call in his life to those around him, asks what Elijah, Elisha wants and what Elisha asks for. Do you remember what he asks for? Verse 9, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. He's not asking to be twice the man that Elijah is, but he's asking for the traditional inheritance of a firstborn. See, if you're a parent and you have two sons, uh, then what you do, I mean, this is partially to help combat uh, their land becoming broken down in too small of pieces. And so what you do is your oldest son he gets two portions, and your youngest son gets one portion. Or if you've got three sons, you divide it four ways. Your first son gets half, your second son gets a quarter, your third son gets a quarter. You follow me? So what he's asking for is the rights of the firstborn. He's asking for that inheritance. In spite of knowing it's his end, Elijah, he doesn't stop. Look at his response, verse 11. Verse 10, you have asked a difficult thing, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will be not. Can you see God? Can you see what's going on around you in a spiritual kind of sense? Are you committed to the people and to the places to which I've called you? Are you able to see the need of additional patience because now you're going to be in charge? When you're the prophet of the Lord, life gets a little bit rougher, huh? You need a little bit of more patience, a little bit more grace, maybe a little bit more hope. Are, are you up for it, Elisha? Are you up for it? Students, parents, congregation, are, are you up, up for it? Are you willing to open your eyes anew every day and look for how it is that God is calling you individually and us as a congregation? Are you willing to walk faithfully with God? constantly calling different groups of young folks into lives of God's service? 
What happens when that doesn't quite look like you would expect? Are you, are you willing to follow God down those roads too? Two of my favorite individuals in our church are Robbie Terrell and Anthony Servet. Neither of them are brash. Neither of them will jockey for position. You're never going to you know, catch an elbow trying to have them nudge their way to the front. But they're committed to running the race that they see God has called them to. It's individual. It's very different. But they faithfully run after God. I've seen times in both of their lives that they've had opportunities to stop and stand still, just give up. But they haven't. And they continue to share God's share the God-given gifts by leading us in worship. We witnessed this today. And they're homegrown too. They're ours. Does that warm your heart like it warms mine? Thank you, church, for giving them opportunities to continue to invest and to nurture their giftedness. Same thing goes for Matt and Joy Robinson, two of our youth teachers. Clearly, they've had great parents. Where's, where's Jim? Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. They've had great parents, but they've individually also been willing to pick up the mantle and to run with it. I don't see Matt or Joy hiding in the shadows of whose they are, who, who, who their parents are. I see them running with the idea of who, whose they are. What about my friend Judy Hickson? She's one of my favorite people in this congregation. She's accomplished a lot in her life. But she's still actively running the race. Every time that I go to her Sunday school, she's leading others to continue running the race. She asks us, how can we pray for you? How can we partner with you? What is it that my ladies can do? Rich, how can I pray for you? See, she remembers that we have to continue running the race. And as she does it, she's continually looking for ways that God is at work. Or our... Our prayer partners, they're from all ages, but they all recognize the value in supporting and encouraging those that God is calling to lives of service. Students, parents, congregation, I wonder if you'd be willing to climb the highest mountains, run through the fields. Only to be with our students. <laughs> Only to be with our students. To help them find what they're looking for. And as each generation discovers their call, may we faithfully continue to pass the mantle. We didn't read verse 13 earlier, but we're going to now. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back. And stood on the bank of the Jordan. Congregation, are you willing to nurture that? As we call our graduates into continuing their lives of service. Let's pray.